We're back! We're back! It's a distraction! I'm Drew! That's Roth! How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. Look at- no one can see you, uh, except for me and our guest, but you are looking healthy, my friend. You are looking Thanks. like a man who spent some time in the sun, but with an appropriate uh, level of sunblock on. I put on like 98 sunscreen. It's just yeah, like you it. open the bottle and the shirt comes out. It's just all- it's Wearing great. an old-timey diver outfit on the beach. I had, around. you know what? I had the fucking, I have the dad hat on the beach with like the floppy hat with the brim that goes all the way around, right? Because mm. there's like skin cancer in my family. So I have to be vigilant. No, I have to respect the sun, whatever the fuck. And like the thing is like the wind's blowing and the front of the brim is like in my face. It's like, it's like if, you, if you're not wearing sunglasses and you're in your car and you put the visor down, and you're like, well, this is safe. <laughs> I'm just blocking my view of the road entirely so that I don't have to see the sun. This is going to work. It was like that, but with a hat. So I was like, you know what? I say to my wife, I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to become a straw hat guy. Like, maybe I need to go That's the full Bobby the Bowden. The words that every wife wishes to hear. Yeah. Like, maybe I need to be the dude who wears a fucking straw hat in the sun and then sits in a fucking golf cart all day by a football. <laughs> so I go in. I go into like the fanning yourself with the copy of the racing form. I think that yeah. is a good, I think that's a good look for you. So I go into the beach shop with all like, you know, like, like I go past like all the let's go Brandon shirts and all that shit. And they have like all, they have a bunch of, they have like regular straw hats, but then they also have ones that look like, like the fucking the bowl of soup hat in Caddyshack. And they have the one. <laughs> And they have one that like, it's like, it's the proper brim, like Brian Billick style, but it's got on the underside of the brim, it's got the Maryland flag design, which is nice. ugly as shit. But I put it on and I look at it and motherfucker, it is the worst looking thing. Like I look old in hats. I looked like I was fucking 90. So I'd rather have skin cancer than look that <laughs> shit. So I- Surely there has to be another way. Anyway, yeah, let's introduce our guest before we. Yeah, yeah, we should do that because our guest today, oh my God, it's Defector Supervising Producer and Normal Gossip Co Creator, Alex Sujung Laughlin. Hi, Alex. Wow. Hello. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. We are excited to have you. And we are talking to you as Normal Gossip is in the middle of the tour. Are you on the road? Is it hard? Are you like, you breaking down, miss all your. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Family and like the party. Yeah, the song hard. Faithfully by Journey. Is that real? Yeah. Yeah. I did want to ask. Like, are you wanted dead or alive, Alex? Um, so I am I'm actually home for two days uh, oh. in between <laughs> Philly and Chicago. Um, but yeah, I mean it's amazing because my cat is had just not left my chest the entire oh. time I've been here, <laughs> except for right now when I'm sitting upright. Oh wow! It's like my reflux, but a human, uh, like in like in creature form. <laughs> it's not like your reflux. That is wrong, Drew. I'm sorry. I mean, it's a friend. When I have the reflux, it feels like a creature is sitting on my chest. So I don't think it's that that sure. different, really. Except the cat is like a friend. And yeah. Alex, have you had a lot of experience in your life uh, sitting at a table and using sound effects in front of a sold out large venue? Is this the first time that you've uh, had to do that? Yeah, this would be the first time that I have been on stage uh, and making like rimshot noises um. <laughs> for a thousand strangers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, with a with a squirrel hat on my head. That was so. That was my favorite part. I wanted to say I went to the New York show. We all did. Yeah, and my favorite part was uh, was Alex putting on a squirrel hat and lighting a, a siren from her her table, <laughs> and like everyone got all a Twitter. When they were like, oh, it's squirrel hat time. Yeah, squirrel You don't need time. us to like boost 
your shit because you're selling everything out. But like, it's a real thing. As I said to uh, when I was talking to Eric last week, like it's a proper theatrical experience. Like it is not as live podcasts go. There's kind of a lot of fun extra stuff going on. Yeah. Like I went to Aida on Broadway and didn't have as good of a time. Like (laughs) I'm serious. I'm not even fucking kidding you. Who who would have guessed I enjoyed normal gossip more than a musical? Not not me. Not me for sure. Are you enjoying it, Alex? Like, is it, this is like a, Pat question maybe, but like I know that you and Kelsey are not necessarily people that want to get up and tap dance in front of fifteen hundred people. That is Kelsey yeah. McKinney, the co-host of Normal Yes, yes. The host. The host. The host. Yeah, um yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh no, we're both really enjoying it. It's kind of a mind fuck to be like perceived on such a, a level where you're I like, agree. oh, all these people are seeing my face and my body. Um <laughs> and also like a lot of pictures are being taken and I don't have control over the angle that they're taken. And I'm like, Uh, I don't want to see that picture of me. Um, But like being on stage, like it's fun. Like we're having a good time. Um, It is vastly different from the job that we both signed up to do, which was to produce a podcast in our homes alone. Um, I didn't expect to be, I didn't expect to be popular. This sucks. (laughs) Now we're like doing makeup in a dressing room and we're like, you know, where's my setting spray? Like I, I need to look beautiful. It's, it's very different from all um, the showbiz stuff is like extra funny to me, I guess, because I I mean, I don't know you as well as I know Kelsey, but I've worked with her for a long time and this is not. It, it like the vibe of someone in a lanyard being like you you can come backstage you not yes. like that is not a, like a thing that I would associate with Kelsey's broader vibe <laughs> but Justin Ellis our coworker, hit me and drew with that at the, when we were going by town hall like he let uh Kelsey's husband go backstage but not and then, you guys not well I mean we didn't have a pass he but he was just sort of like hey but you guys can't come back here and I was like <laughs> it was kind of bullshit Roth I mean didn't yeah, that's hilarious who I was uh one more question Alex does your tour rider forbid brown M&Ms in the green room and oh how many God. hotel rooms have you trashed by the way I mean we have to get to that <laughs> I've trashed trashed no hotel rooms because ah, I'm, I'm that's a not rock and roll. um <laughs> We do have a writer, though, which is fucking hilarious. Um, And the only things that are on our writer are um, sour candies and salt and vinegar chips. Um, So our tongues are just torn up. I was going to say, you got to activate every part of the uh, the tongue there. You do do have that. If if you eat too many of the salt and vinegar potato chips and your mouth is just like shattered. Yes, that's what my mouth has been. Um, I think we should have thought... Better. This is what they meant about <laughs> about life on the road being hard. You know? Yeah, exactly. Just, My poor tongue. <laughs> just imagining that every Motley Crue song is about eating t- t- too many Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> Let's get to the oh uh, the nut of the show because uh, the reason we had you on, Alex. Uh, you know, every episode of every podcast is really essentially about the podcast itself, and to that end. <laughs> Our podcast today is going to be about the state of podcasting because, Alex, you wrote a story for Defector earlier this month about the demise of Gimlet Media, which was once a huge name in podcasting before Spotify acquired them and then just uh, just now essentially liquidated them. Can you yes. tell us what was Gimlet and why did it matter? Mm, okay. You know, I'm thinking I should have prepped a little better. Yes, uh, you should have. As Disagree. opposed to no, no. watching Disagree. The Bachelorette, which is how I prepped for this. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I forgive you. Who, who can I resist? Think, anytime you feel like you're out over your skis, just start describing stuff from The Bachelorette episode, and we will we'll Amazing. that. I don't, like, I don't like that Taden. He's bad. 
<laughs> okay, so Gimlet was a company founded by Alex Bloomberg and Matt Lieber. Uh, Bloomberg was a former producer for Planet Money and This American Life, um, which matters because those were shows that kind of invented the narrative, like sort of prestige podcast genre that came to exist more broadly in the podcast industry. Before Gimlet, podcasting, especially narrative podcasting in this style, the sort of long form, like investigative podcast, um, really only existed within the public media system. And so when Alex Bloomberg started um, Gimlet, this was one of the first forays into a sort of for-profit model uh, that podcasting had taken. Um, and so they launched a bunch of shows in 2014 when they were founded and continued to launch shows and acquire shows. Um, and also, really importantly, they launched a branded studio where they made similar types of like high touch, high quality shows um, for companies, which meant that they made money. And that kind of established a model for the podcasting industry more broadly. And a lot of other companies sprung up sort of in that model. Can I can I go back for a second? Did you yeah. mean when you said they meant I mean when you said that they made podcasts for companies, mm-hmm. do you mean like internal company corporate communications? No. I okay. mean like uh, like Okay, cuz now let's that's just an idea. Say like that's Yeah, no, that's the thing that exists for sure. I have made those shows too. Um I bet they're but, great. <laughs> oh my god. Let me tell you later about the Google show I made once. Um <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah, we are going to about that. Um, but yeah, it was like, let's just say like Microsoft wants its own cereal about like how, I don't know, people start businesses using Microsoft tools. Like that, that is a show that like the Gimlet branded studio would make. Okay. All right. So advertorial stuff. Oh wait. So can we, can we, uh, can we take a moment here to talk about the Google show? Are you allowed to, or will Sergey Brin come and kill you? If you do that, um, either he will kill me or I will get slapped with some kind of like NDA um, uh, violation, I'm sure. But suffice it to say, it it was not a podcast. It was a mixtape, a simulated mixtape that yeah. we made. And it was a nightmare. Did you get Kendrick. to do DJ clue drops and like oh use the exploding bomb sound effect that uh, Funkmaster Flex? No, you're shaking no, your head. No, it was horrible. Right. It was horrible. That's tough. So no Funk Flex stuff of any kind. Of no, sounds no. romantic Drag. to me. Nick and Nora's infinite <laughs> SEO uh, result sounds really good to me. But that idea. This is something that I was talking about with Eric before you came on, and you know, I I thought your story was great. Uh, the idea that this was like so it was a sustainable business for what it was, that they had that kind of high-low thing, the shows were successful. Like, Gimlet was was working. Is that correct? So I don't know the business. Like, I don't know the financials of the business uh, because I actually never worked at Gimlet, mm-hmm. um, and I am not an executive there. Um, from what I can tell, it wasn't doing awesome before the Spotify sale. Okay. You said they were um, running out of money in your post. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. They were... You know, it's because these these shows, these like high production narrative shows take a year, a year and a half to make. And it's like six to eight episodes and it's really expensive to make. And Do you, you have know, a ballpark figure on that. Um, At a minimum, two hundred thousand dollars. Holy like, shit. At a very minimum. That's like a, an affordable narrative show. 
Um, so these like shows like, you know, heavyweight or, um, mystery show, which was kind of a cult classic that only did one season are like incredibly expensive to make. Um, and they, you know, as, as two fellas in the podcast industry yourselves, um, (laughs) you may know that, uh, you make money off of podcasts based on ads that you sell. And if you have more episodes to sell ads against, you make more money. When you only have six to eight episodes, no matter how good they are, you can only make so much money on them. Right. No matter how full of ads they can be. Right. You can't whatever. you can't charge like Super Bowl podcast yeah. ad rates. Exactly. Yeah. Um was there was there a way for Gimlet to turn a profit prior to the Spotify sale? Um, or did their founders essentially set the company up to fail? If they were never acquired, was it the, the typical, mm. we started the company so it gets bought so we get rich kind of shit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the, the, one of the first things they did when they started this company was to seek out VC funding. Um, and so like when somebody seeks out VC funding, that's the beginning of the story. The end is always what's the return on investment. Right. Right. That's the reason you get VC funding is that you expect and your investors expect that you're going to make them money. Um, and so and not just a small amount, not a yeah, modest like, return. Yeah. Like a lot of money. Um, Multiples of what you invest. <laughs> there are episodes of Startup, which was the podcast that um, Alex Bloomberg started to document uh, the founding of Gimlet, uh, where he talks to investors, potential investors and advisors about like what is going to be the return? What is the plan for an exit? What does an exit mean? An exit, you know, is like when a company acquires you and they're like, okay, how are you going to position yourself for that? And people are like, okay, you should be an app. Like you should be making these kinds of shows. Like this is how you're going to get acquired by Google and make us a shit ton of money. This was the thing that in reading that story that I felt this kind of sick, familiar feeling in the sense that that's, all of that has applied to the world of, you know, blogs where mm-hmm. I've spent my, you know, career seems like a kind of a highfalutin word for it. I have periodically <laughs> been employed within that industry between cyclical uh, periods of unemployment. But it is it's the same sort of deal that like once you get venture capital involved, they want to make money on a venture capital scale. And yeah. it seems, you know, as if in this case, it's with podcasts, as with blogs, as with, you know, whatever, even it's like streaming video stuff. It's very challenging to make the sort of money that these guys want to make. And the more money that you take, the more money you have to make, the bigger an exit you have to make. Yeah. And that it feels like you need that money if you're doing a show that costs $200,000 to produce. You need that money to get off the ground. But then eventually that money is going to be an anchor around your foot. Uh, yeah, it, like I think that there's a world in which a version of Gimlet could have existed without VC money, but it would have been much smaller, much humbler of a company. Um, maybe they launched three shows instead of like seven or however many they launched at the beginning. Um, so I don't think it could have been the giant that it was in the podcast industry without that like heft that the money from VCs gave. But also, like, there is no way when your products that you're making, the podcast, cost that much, there's no way to turn a profit. Yeah. This, again, it feels like this is the real glum part of it, is that everything sort of starts to feel 
like not unlike everything else. Like this is not really different than what Adam Conover and Michael Schur talked to us about in terms of the way that film and television is produced right now. I, it's not but just this, media. Like it's a standard yeah. thing where yeah. the purpose of VC has grown perverted across a lot of industries where, you know, it's not, okay, we're giving you an infusion of cash so you can run a successful business. We'll all share in the profits together. Like that's sort of, that's mm-hmm. the ideal, right? Or that at least was the ideal at the beginning. That's not the case anymore. It's, okay, we invest $30 million. It gets big enough and visible enough for some asshole acquires it for $300 million. And then we all make money and then it fucks off forever. And we fuck off forever and we don't have to do anything. And what gets forgotten in there, obviously, is the product itself. Because the product is optimized not not for the sake of the, 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 the consumer, but for whoever is going to, you know, on a whim... Uh, pay $50 billion for it so they can tweet uh, that, you know, my pronouns are uh, Bob and Ray or something like that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like the product gets left behind, but also the, the workers, the people who are building this thing that becomes worth this much. Um, I mean, selfishly, I feel a lot of um, empathy and allegiance to the producers who were at Gimlet and then later at Spotify who just like really got fucked over. Um you know, some of them got incredibly rich in the acquisition, so like they're fine. But other people did not get rich, um, either because they were contractors or because they got laid off before any, you know, any big payoff came. It's also like worth pointing out that those are the people that actually wanted to make podcasts in the first fucking place. That like yes. those are the ones that wind up getting the wrong end of the stick are the people that actually have some investment in continuing to be able to make that work and not just mm-hmm. cash out and then, you know, live on a fucking like oil derrick in the middle of the ocean where international law doesn't apply to you or whatever <laughs> the dream is of the funders. Yeah. By the way, this is where I should disclose that Gimlet interviewed Roth and I to do this podcast for them uh-huh. back in 2020, and they rejected us. So <laughs> I, want- I will also disclose that I have interviewed for several jobs at Gimlet and have <laughs> been rejected. So, you know. A pattern is developing here. Yes. I will also disclose that I also applied for a bunch of jobs at Gimlet, but those were the only <laughs> ones that existed. Is there anyone else on this yeah. Zoom call that has not tried and failed to work for Gimlet Media? <laughs> if so, just... I believe everyone else still getting shot. I also want to point out, as the person who produce, currently produces this podcast, Gimlet would never produce this show. I, no. I'm so confused. Everything Alex said, it, it only shows this show is not anything like any of those shows Alex just described. So I don't even know what they were talking so to they you didn't, about. They didn't do like silly little hangout shows. No. That wasn't a thing that they were interested in <laughs> doing at all. Silly little hangout shows. <laughs> yeah, I kind, of, I kind of thought that was all podcasts were, you know. <laughs> I was That's like, actually oh, just... worth something that uh, you could probably, because you've spent more time in the industry and understand it better than us, Alex, is like the, so of the different forms of podcast, there Mm -hmm. are broadly speaking in my caveman's brain, there's the ones that are like good and take a lot of work. And then there's the ones where it's like a Zoom call that is recorded and maybe edited. And that those Th- are- This I one's know not that like, like that, Roth. I right. Well, it's, we, you and I have great Zoom calls, Drew. This one, this one is scripted down to everyone. And we got good editors. <laughs> but Alex, like, where is the, the industry sort of um, trending with this? Because it mm. seems like people, there's a lot of demand for podcasts. And yet it does also seem like there's this consolidation happening that does not seem to be 
working for the benefit of the people producing or listening to the stuff at this moment. Totally. I, I would also agree with Eric that like there are also high production shows that are bad. Oh, um, okay. For sure. And there are great, great shows. Some of my favorite shows. Some of my best friends are shows yep. that are, <laughs> you know, just like minimally edited chat shows. Um, anyway, to get off of that soapbox. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a ton of consolidation that you're seeing, especially among um, the like power players, quote unquote, in the industry, the like biggest networks. Um, you know, we already saw like a, a version of that with Gimlet and Parcast uh, being acquired by Spotify and The Ringer. These are all uh, networks that made slightly different types of shows, um, but they all kind of got swallowed up into one giant company. Um, but you also see it with like, you know, the New York Times acquiring serial productions. Um, so they're going all in on the like high production narrative shows. So they're continuing to make shows and they have the money to do so. And we'll continue to see those. Um, but we're also just seeing a shit ton of like, you know, interview shows hosted by a celebrity yep. because that's an easy sell to advertisers. Um, and in theory, listeners would be curious. I, for example, got very into the concept of the Anna Delvey podcast. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Um, now, is it about her or is it hosted by her? It's hosted by her. Fuck whole, yes. Hell it's amazing. Yeah. Does she do the accent? Does she oh, do yeah, the she weird does the accent. accent? Yes. And the whole thing is she's like, I'm doing these interviews from my apartment on house arrest. And she like asks every guest if they've been arrested and like... <laughs> It could be so good, um, but unfortunately, Miss Anna Delvey is not, you know, a journalist, and she actually has like immense disdain for journalists. So, um, are you suggesting she's a fraud of some sort? <laughs> you know, she is who she is. Um, <laughs> but that That's... that feels like a perfect example of the type of show that we're seeing a lot more of, which is kind of the cynical play for for earballs. I call them as just <laughs> eyeballs. Um, yeah, without a lot of attention being paid to like what is what is the craft going into this thing like what right. are we actually hoping to do and say with this podcast this all feels very much like something that you would try to sell to a vc guy too where oh, the yeah. idea of you're just sort of like it's will arnett and a microphone i don't don't bother me that's the idea exactly. that's the whole concept and then yeah. you just trust that'll work speaking mm -hmm. of half-assing it bill simmons uh simmons <laughs> simmons sold the ringer to spotify for over 200 million dollars a few years ago and is now an executive Within that company, and I was actually told, and we keep this a, a, a podcast exclusive, because a podcast is where you go to drop shit that's unverified, nice. but you can say it anyway, because it's a podcast, because no one aggregates it. But I was told that he shoved out a couple of Spotify executives uh, after the acquisition and was able to get a, basically a cushy no-show executive gig. While he's now an executive at that company, he got his finger in a, a bit of spotted dick this month when he shat all over former royals Prince Harry and Meghan Markle for taking Spotify's money and producing essentially nothing with it. And if we could, Eric, we'd like to hear the audio of Simmons uh, dragging British royalty, or I should say excommunicated British royalty. Can we uh, can we hear that clip, please? Just I pretend. wish I had been involved in the Meghan and Harry leave Spotify negotiation. <laughs> the fucking grifters. That's the podcast we should have launched with them. <laughs> um, I got to get drunk one night and tell the story of the Zoom I had with Harry to try to help him with the podcast idea. Well, first of all, 
Kudos to Simmons, Roth, for referencing The Grifters, which was made in 1990, but still counts as an edgy watch yeah. for him. Shout yeah. out to young, hot John Cusack. Uh, the, yeah. Um, Jim Thompson's like, entire canon. Yeah. And Angelica know. Houston, like playing his mom and like trying to bang him for money and it's stuff like that. It's a complicated movie. You don't want to give too much away. Uh, secondly, uh, Alex, what podcast ideas <laughs> do we think Bill Simmons ran by Harry in that little meeting? Oh, man. I got to think of like, okay, what are like the quintessential ringer style shows? Um well, there's, like, of course, we watched something 30 yeah, years ago. Exactly. Three boys watched TV. It's kind of yeah, a classic method. Exactly. Of, uh, it's like podcast. Harry talking about like shows or Harry talking about movies of <laughs> that star, like a missing mother of some sort. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I can't. That, that idea is too good. Like, I would. <laughs> too good. Too good. <laughs> It's like the idea of just Simmons just pushing him in the direction of being like, why don't you break down the NBA draft? You know, or just like coming up with only Simmonsy ideas. Yeah. Or like, else yeah, the classic was- just like uh, pushing him to interview people who he finds interesting, mm. which is like the most boring and like very Spotify podcast concept I've ever heard. Right. It's just famous people and famous people being like, yes. I just, I loved your work in that. Like, what were yeah. you, so where do you get your ideas? Yeah, I think that would be funnier if somebody that's never had a proper job in their life was asking those questions. <laughs> Harry tries to get a job. Yep. That, see, that is actually a decent podcast idea. He's like on the uh, restocking the pepper bar at a Quiznos. Yeah. yeah. Like, he like interviews a trash collector. He's like, tell me, how'd you get into this? Yeah. He's got a, the, dirt, the dirty jobs model uh, yes. is definitely there for him if he wants that lean. The easiest podcast they could have done. It's just Harry and Meghan just telling stories about how shitty their their relatives are. Like that's all you have to do. Like because there's there's an SNL podcast hosted by co-hosted by David Spade where they just talk about like behind the scenes shit from their time at SNL and apparently it's fucking great. And like that's all you need if you already have the material on you. I don't want to hear you fucking interview fucking Lizzo. That's not gonna do anything for anybody. Who <laughs> fucking cares? And what's weird is that Simmons is basically right about those two because I remember like like Megan would have someone else interview the celebrities for her and then they would cut her into the podcast as if oh she my was asking wait the really questions. oh my yeah. god are you serious that fucking rules good for uh, her so so it's hard for me to find uh, a good actor here like can I can I still dislike Simmons more than the royal two anyway Alex <laughs> Oh my god. I don't I don't know. I think that I feel like Harry came off worse in this situation. Yeah. I could I could see it. Well, cuz the idea only- of having someone else do the interviews and then you go into that's a studio bad. and are just like, "Wow, that's so interesting. Was that good? Did I sound interested?" Like just oh those god. little inserts is amazing to me. I can just hear the production meetings happening being like, "Okay, Megan doesn't actually want to be in the interview, so how can we do this? Yeah. How can we make this work?" Right. So she's those poor producers. She's an anguilla. She uh she can't actually be there <laughs> to to talk to Oprah. We have to <laughs> so who I've, grifted I should ask before we cut cut to break I just want to ask who grifted Spotify better <laughs> Harry and Meghan Simmons or the Obamas oh Alex my god. Oh who, my god. who did okay. a better job taking Spotify for a ride I think I'm still gonna go with Harry and Meghan because they just made like one show that was not even all the episodes they were contracted it to rules. do 
And I love that for them. Honestly, that's praxis to me. The idea of like (laughs) some like shitty. I mean, it's unfortunate because if you think about how much money that is and like if you spread it across, uh, you know, a few thousand talented people, you've like basically saved an industry. It was tens of millions of dollars. But if you give it to two people and then they're just sort of like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that, actually. (laughs) That's pretty funny to me. Like, I I do. I want. I want to reach that echelon of wealth where you can just bail on a contract and they fucking pay you anyway. That would yeah. rock, kick ass. But you know what? We uh, we have to take a break. We're going to come back. We're actually going to talk sports for a brief moment. Uh, but before we take a break, I just want to note that this podcast is sponsored by Terrestrial Radio. Now you can take your podcasts on the go, in your car, <laughs> on your Walkman, even on a boombox at Gold's Gym. And with Terrestrial Radio's disc jockeys you never have to worry about figuring out what conversation or song you want to listen to because they'll curate shows for you in real time that's terrestrial radio available while you're in line right now at pet boys they're calling it the most avant-garde sponsorship yet i love it we'll be right back with alex sujong laughlin We're sponsored this week by Sunsoil, a certified organic, employee-owned CBD oil company from Vermont and original Defector sponsor. Their products are meant to help you relax, fall asleep, and stay asleep. And I know they work because Roth tells me they do. They grow all of their hemp and make their CBD oil at the farm by naturally infusing hemp oil in coconut oil, which involves minimal processing and better retains the whole plant benefits. Sunsoil's CBD gummies are also vegan, gluten-free, and USDA certified organic, which is the highest standard for both quality and traceability. They don't contain any artificial sweeteners or unnecessary additives like food coloring. And you can choose between flavors like berry, lemonade, and cinnamon. So get 50% off your first purchase at sunsoil.com slash distraction with the code distraction. That's sunsoil.com slash distraction with code distraction for 50% off your first purchase. The distraction is also sponsored by BetterHelp. It is so easy to get caught up in what everybody else needs from you and to not take a moment to think about what you might need from yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so that you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you find the idea of starting therapy daunting, you are not alone. It can be expensive, frustrating, and take a long time to find the right doctor. Even if you find a therapist that's taking new patients, you might have to wait weeks or months for your first appointment. BetterHelp solves for that. It connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on a journey of self-discovery right away. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and affordable. If the doctor you have doesn't work out, you can find another one. All you have to do to get started is create an account and fill out a brief questionnaire, and BetterHelp will match you with a licensed therapist who you can start messaging right away. So if you've been thinking about trying therapy but aren't sure where to start, BetterHelp is a great option to explore. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com distraction today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash distraction. And we're back with our own Alex Sujong Laughlin, and we were talking about the state of the podcast industry, uh, which is being, of course, consolidated and made unequal the way that many other businesses are. And it makes us wonder, Alex, um, 
Is there such a thing as small business in America anymore? Can there be? <laughs> and I don't mean that in like the, I mean it seriously. I'm not being mm-hmm. ironic about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, to be clear, I, I am a <laughs> co-owner of a small media business, uh, well, but I well. didn't have any hand in the founding of it. And, you know, Defector also is a, its own story about like how it operates and how it was founded. Um, I have worked for smaller media companies that, you know, established themselves without taking any VC. Um, and, it, you know, it was a fine life. Um the thing that I I struggle with is that like the way those businesses were able to operate was was on the basis of a lot of these corporate contracts, these like branded shows. Um, okay. And 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 that itself is a sort of outgrowth of this like gimlet world. Um and so, you know, there are ways to have a small business that that isn't turning you into a podcast millionaire. It does take like a certain amount of capital get started though. And like, that's, that's a privilege that some people have that others don't. It's also, it's quite fragile because I worked at a small advertising firm before I became a blogger and a, and a writer. And I was laid off three times because every time we lost a major client, yeah. you know, my boss, Matt would, would have to let me go by the third time. He's like, Drew, I, I can't keep doing this. And I was like, like, I'm consoling, he's laying me off and I'm consoling him. I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. I got I got blog life now. I can I can blog deal. life. Yeah. But it's like it's no, but it 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 is like that where you can have a small business and it can thrive, but as we just learned from the pandemic, you know, one disruption and you're kind of fucked. And that you know, that's hard, you know, if you're especially when you know the stats about particularly about restaurants, you know, like what 80 or 90% of restaurants go out of business in the first year. It's almost like you have no choice but to hope for, you know, an an angel investor to come in and help or well out. look eric is too modest to jump in here but he works at a small production company that is a viable business they produce our podcast here eric too modest to jump in i, I know I, I that's know. not Everybody even me being like, ironic but like it can <laughs> thank you drew appreciate it so what is it what does it look like what is of, of like what are your you don't have to be like what are your margins like what are you benching <laughs> like i don't need to know that shit but like where like how does how does it work when it works? Yeah, me and Rosillo are just fucking put it up two fifty on the clean jerk. Um, yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah, I mean, uh, Alex, you're totally correct. I think there there is a certain amount of contracts. I mean, I produced this show for Defector, uh, but I feel like there was that form that existed of the podcast shop where your job was doing it for other people, and now conglomerates bought it. Like those don't exist anymore because they're all in-house production teams for massive media companies like uh, Pineapple Street and Transmitter or two that come to come to my mind mm-hmm. really quickly for that. Um, so yeah, we do other stuff. I mean, a big thing though, I think we're ignoring and kind of podcasting secret superpower is one, it's not based on an algorithm because the RSS feed is one to one, and two, uh, Patreon and direct support. I don't know if anyone at Defector has heard of that. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about that at all, but the thing is, podcast. Podcasts are the high are the highest percentage of the top 100, 200, 500 Patreons, and also they make the most money per capita, like most money per number of no people. shit, yeah. So it's like the direct relationship you make from a podcast, people will contribute. A big thing of why Gimlet's money sank and everyone's in podcasting is because of the pandemic. Twenty twenty, there were no ads; all of the ads disappeared. But you know what did happen? Everyone's Patreons went up because listeners started 
to realize the money that they gave. You know how everyone started buying more small business because of the pandemic? They realized that because of their media as well. And they started shopping locally for their podcast. <laughs> they started shopping locally for their podcast, 100%. So Patreons went up. So Multitude, we do a bunch of different things. We make shows for other people. And we also sell ads for ourselves and for other people. Uh, and we also uh, do like consulting. But we also make all of our own shows. Uh, I produce three shows plus this. And it's And fun. you guys sell Crocodile on the side, which I think is cool. That's true. And that is, that's the secret sauce. <laughs> yeah, that is. So, and also, also I want to say we've never, we have also, not taking VC money at all. We just started it from from scratch. Well, if yeah. if there's any luck, get that little fifty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for cash. you guys to drop Bill Simmons' money on me. That's what I'm waiting for. So I also think that something that I feel really excited about and hopeful about with podcasting is that um, you know we'll see more of these little constellations of small businesses working together. You know, so you know Eric at Multitude. You are a small business. Defector is a small business. And, you know, my hope is that we can continue to, like, build these little networks where we're supporting each other. Um, And that feels like the most sustainable thing to me. It's kind of like the old school blog community. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. a community. It's like an affinity group where everybody, sort of yeah. broadly speaking, is like wanting the same things, and those things are like to continue to do your shit and get paid and like have insurance, not to yeah. like eventually exit and live next door to fucking Shane Smith or whatever. Like that's not important to me. You, I, you guys make jokes about this all the time, but I just want to say the stuff that happened in blogging in your entire careers has just gotten faster and faster and faster. We see this in blogging. We like we're seeing with what happened with the Athletic. We're seeing this in streaming, we're seeing this on YouTube, and podcasting, I think, is the fastest thing, going from Spotify's acquisition of Gimlet and Parcast in 2019 to now, it's been less than four years. It's the fastest boom and bust cycle here of the carpetbaggers coming and trying to make money. So it's like, your experience is really important. It's just happening faster and faster and faster, but it's all the same. I mean, we Roth, you already talked about it. Mike Schur saying that companies looking at writing like... And TV, like airplane parts manufacturing, again, that 6% ROI, that's happening to all digital creation. And I think it's just, it's exactly what Alex said about leaning on each other, making something sustainable, and hopefully small businesses can do it together so we can thrive and flourish. Yeah, and if I may end on an up note on this, I think I think that's essentially correct that um, as much as this consolidation harms uh, the art form and workers and all that stuff, there will always be always people who have both the talent and the wherewithal to do this on a smaller scale and put out quality products. And that's true across everything. I mean, I remember when David Zaslav and when, when they launched Max and they went uh, and they listed all the directors and writers and stars as creators in the credits on the menu and everyone got all pissed. And someone tweeted out that this was happening and they were like, well, they're doing this. It's so over. And I was like, what's over? Like art? Like you think you think mm-hmm. art's going to fucking end? Yeah. Like that's not how it works. Like people who want to find a way, find a way. And people should always remember that uh, in the face of, you know, a lot of corporate fuckery and all that stuff. Now, we have to talk about sports. And we're going to talk about sports in a way where we're going to deviate immediately from the actual sports part because we're going to talk about <laughs> disgraced goodness. cyclist Lance Armstrong who decided to start asking questions this week about the fairness of trans athletes in sports with a new show of his featuring legendary moron Caitlyn Jenner. Now, to pre-defend himself, Armstrong tweeted, have we really come to a place and time 
where spirited debate is not only frowned upon, but feared, where people's greatest concern is being fired, shamed, or canceled? Now, irony aside, Alex, can you, can you just read the next sentence that he wrote because it's so fucking good? It is a classic Lance Armstrong brain. I would, except I didn't paste it into it's, my As doc. someone familiar with this phenomenon, which is like, you mean like when you fucking with got cheating? caught cheating and you wrecked your life and then yeah. there was a, two years of stories about what a fucking asshole you were to everyone you'd ever been across? Was that well, like, that was, that's the phenomenon that you're familiar with? As <laughs> like, a bit of a criminal myself. I, you know, it's, I, I'm getting very tired of this play call because it's clearly a Trojan horse into transphobia, which itself is a Trojan horse into homophobia, which itself is a Trojan horse into just the general oppression of civil rights all across the country. Reactionary anti-human politics and things of that nature. Uh, you know, I'll ask, I'll ask you, Alex, does, does this play call work, do you think, on some level? Or do you think people are kind of getting tired and kind of identifying it right away? I'm tired of it. I don't know if yeah, it works. It, it's say. it's working on a completely different population than me. Um, I didn't. I mean, it works at, on Florida, like Floridians. <laughs> yes, it works. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I I I don't know who is into that, though. I can imagine somebody is, uh, because whenever there's a guy just asking questions, there's like ten more guys who are like, "Yeah, he's just asking questions." Right. I, it's always yeah. Can't. Why can't we just have a civil discussion about whether or not blacks can vote? Why can't we do that without people getting mean about What's it? What's bizarre about that to me is that, so I obviously, you know, I don't know who this works for. I do know it's not me. I, the thing that I'm always startled by, I guess, is this conversation hasn't moved or changed in years. It's not even a conversation. It's just the sort of this going over of the same sort of talking points. And it's one thing when you have are like a rich, famous dunce and the biggest thing, you know, that you could imagine, the worst thing that you could imagine happening to you is you get yelled at on Twitter. Like you're never going to like be hurt materially in any way. Mm -hmm. Like Lance, Lance Armstrong will never pay for his many crimes against everybody that he's ever interacted with. And everybody. Oh, sort but of he knows has that. already paid. Rob. He has he, reputation. He was canceled. <laughs> and that you know was how hard it was there. for him to get Caitlyn Jenner to come on his fucking dumb podcast. Yeah. But to me, it's like, how do you not get bored with this? Like, this is the only conversation that this whole tranche of, like, people that I guess are, like, sort of finding out that they're fascist, that's, like, their personal journey, <laughs> that this is, like, that is the only conversation they want to have. That's what's killing me, Alex. I'm, I'm yeah. waiting for this to get played out. Like, like I want to say to someone, you're still, you're still talking cancel culture again? Like, that is so... 2019 or whatever the fuck like how like this can't this is uncool like even among uncool people this <laughs> should be uncool now the problem is that like the people who are still doing this have not been um brainwormed by the internet for the last 10 years so they haven't had these conversations like to to the very end of where they could go yeah, um and so they're like yeah but you know what cancel culture pretty crazy yeah have you have you seen this have you heard about this yeah. it's, really, it's a whole new thing yeah i mean yeah. it does it, <laughs> it goes back to like bell curve shit where it's like well how come black people haven't prospered in america it's not just because white people are mean like there has to be something inherently wrong with them like That's real the other thing with just tension. asking questions is that yeah the questions can be 300 years old like yeah. these are like all the yeah. the like race realist shit that you still see that fucking like elon like boosts 
This is those are like the oldest and most discredited ideas in American history. They've been answered. The but, answers have already been provided many years ago. All you have to do is do a fucking Google search, man. That Lance Armstrong sucks ass, and there might not be much more to say about it, but that is true. So in in that vein, it's time for the podcast of the week. Uh, every week we remember a podcast of your, not a Hall of Fame podcast necessarily, but just a podcast that makes you think. Hey, I remember that podcast. Alex, you ready to remember a podcast? Because this week's podcast of the week, the Ricky Gervais show. You remember that show, Alex? I truly don't. I did okay. not know this existed. This okay. is So ordinarily, this would be where we'd be like asking you if you remember the person that played left field for the Red Sox in 1994. Oh, great. Okay. So <laughs> even in attempting to make an accommodation, Drew still had to bring fucking oh. Carl Pilkington into it and make it weird. No, you know why I have to bring it in? Because you know why? Because it was a fucking great show. It yeah, really, people really liked it. I it never really listened, but. It was before Ricky Gervais became like whatever the fuck he is now. And it was just, it was him and Stephen Merchant and uh, Carl Pilkington just having like outlandishly absurd arguments about like whether or not worms uh, could eat breakfast or something. Amazing. I don't know. It was, <laughs> what era it, were we in here? We're Early. talking like late 2000s. Oh, nice. Yeah, this like, is like nice. Neolithic, like yeah. stone tools used right. to fashion when it podcasts. Was iPods. Yes, where you yeah. played your i your podcasts on. Wait, right, can podcast, I ask an art Alex. form named after a product that does not exist anymore? Nice. But it's true. It, but it Alex, was was it? Were you you weren't in the game at that point. Like you were. Younger, I wasn't but like, producing, but I was listening to podcasts as early as uh, two thousand five. Do you remember what the early like? What were who are your guys? I guess oh like what God. were the early ones? I'll tell you, you know? who my guys were. My first Ooh. guy was the Ben Lee podcast. Do you know Ben, ben Lee, the ben, Australian yeah. musician? Yeah, he dated oh Claire Danes in the yeah. 90s. And I was like, this Holy fucking God. shit. Like, yeah. Dude, I haven't thought about Ben Lee oh since the 1990s. Okay, I he had a podcast that was like six episodes. And it was just, he just like talked about like uh, music and like, hinduism and whatever like stuff that he's into and i was like this shit is life-changing yeah. <laughs> i was like 14 and i was like i've never heard anything like this yeah that was it's funny it was to like especially now that as you said that we've all just completely destroyed our consciousnesses with online just like burned yeah. a big hole where all of uh, the thinking parts of our brain used to be but yeah. thinking back on how like cool and new this shit felt where you're kind of like this is like i don't know this guy and he's talking to me like that yeah. is I, I mean i remember it like in terms of not i think with like early pods i don't know what the the earliest podcast that i listened to was but i remember i mean like i mean as, it could have been simmons i mean that's what i was gonna say like as weird mm. as it is it was like reading wow. simmons at like my first job out of college and being like damn i didn't know you could write about sports like this it was like simmons yeah. and like adam carolla and they were like oh my god one, adam two. carolla yes and now look at this is the thing also is it, it makes it i easier. went on adam carolla's podcast are you serious yeah well because it was when? back before it was pre-trump it was before he became again oh, whatever okay. the fuck he is now yeah yeah and like i'd listened to his podcast and i'd laughed i enjoyed the podcast because he was just sort of like he was the love line guy and like yeah. he'd have comedians on and they would just say funny shit and like they would talk about like heart to heart and like all this shit that I grew up watching and laughing about. And uh, and I remember I went to his studio in LA and it was a garage, which is very appropriate because he's like a, he's like a proud gearhead motherfucker. And I had a flight to LAX 
later that afternoon. And they made me wait for a good long time to the point where I was like, I think I'm going to miss my flight. All because I'm going to get fucking bumped by Adam Carolla. But then I got, I got five minutes with Adam Carolla to plug a book or some shit like that. Oh my God. And then I left. And then like a year later, he turned into like the shittiest asshole who ever. It's really funny God. that that was like early enough podcasting that you needed to like physically wait to be let into the room to do your bit. Well, because it was like it was such a big moneymaker and still yeah. is where it's like it was operated at like like a talk show on television or something yeah. like that. Like, can, can I read a tweet from Adam Carolla that I think of as being like one of the canonic uh, you're never coming back, you've destroyed your mind posts in my <laughs> life? This is from August 13th, 2020. Everybody's having fun on August 13th, 2020. Maybe the peak of everybody just doing like well and being depression. normal. Yeah. <laughs> so Adam Carolla, uh, 4.56 a.m. Eastern time. So still uh, more American males now wear bracelets than eat stew. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah that's right i remember let's remember some tweets one of those things where that is like if you post that someone should repel through a window into your home and 5150 you for two weeks in a mental institution oh my god when i think like, about the the ideal of masculinity i think i think of a motherfucker eating, eating, stew. More. eating stew you need to what you need to do is lose that bracelet and get some venison in a pot for like a couple of hours with just, you know, carrots, onions, celery. It's not complicated. No but, no manly yeah. man has yeah, ever worn a bracelet. Stop being gay, man. Take yeah. off that bracelet. Stop being gay and start braising meat. <laughs> let's uh, let's open up the fun bag. These are real questions from defector readers and distraction oh listeners. This one is from Jeff. And this one's kind of for you and me, Roth. Jeff writes, this year I started running, which really loosens up the bowels. I've used that time to catch up on the distraction. The first time I felt the pressure... And had to dug into the woods. A new episode had just started. And so I'm squatting near some questionable oh weeds. God. Come on, man. Hang yeah. on. Hang on. I'm still, I'm in it's the not, middle. It's not getting better. I know that it's not going to get better. For, for the record, he wrote this, not me. Okay. All right. All right. So Jeff continues. So I'm squatting near some questionable weeds while you're yelling, we're back. We're back at me. Oh my God. I'm now a veteran woods pooper and have had steamy pilots come out while both you and Roth are talking. But we're back. We're back. Triggers me the most. So I am proud to say that I am this man's cup of coffee and I keep him regular. So Jesus Christ. I have Thank no comment on this matter at this time. Uh, Brian writes in, Alex, if a member of Congress made it his or her pet issue to prod the Justice Department into getting some serious antitrust cases going, would American voters care? Pretty clearly dominant market share is a precursor to enshittification. But do enough Americans care? And would that congressperson build an admired national profile from this activity? There was no shit in that question. I just want that noted. Oh my God. I'm shocked at the... the at at this question coming this after like the, the alpha and the omega pooping. of yeah. the distraction experience. <laughs> oh my there. god! Little bit it's sweet, really, little like, bit half sweet the questions are like in you know sort of thoughtful stuff, and then half of the other ones are like, if you found like a sandwich in a toilet, would you? <laughs> would you eat it? Yeah, it's like <clears throat> the implosion oh of the god. submersible plus the NBA redraftables. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'd like to believe that people would care about a strong antitrust platform. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I have worked in media my entire career. And so I'm personally like really uh, scarred by like Google and Facebook, like taking over the Internet and yeah. and the way that media companies have conglomerated in my career. So and and, you know, I see that like 
connection directly impacting our uh, democracy. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if if regular civilians who um, haven't spent their entire adult lives on the internet would feel the same way. Yeah, I, I want to believe, though, because I think I, I'm more or less where, where you are on this, I think, Alex, but that I also feel like the thing that I want to believe would matter in this circumstances is I don't think that people like the way that things are necessarily. Yeah. Now, that doesn't but mean that's that, always true. There's it's always, always, it is always true. true. Do you remember and the CBS also, poll where they were like, how do you, like, it was like 60% of Americans think, are worried about things like, and it was just that. Yeah. I swear same. to God, that's extremely that's, same. That's my yeah, favorite. Was, my favorite poll question is like, are things going in a good direction or a bad direction? And it's kind of like bad. that. Most people are gonna be like, oh, it's kind of. It seems pretty bad. I don't They'll know. cite like, that shit in the Washington Post and be like, well, President Biden uh, is assuming office. Uh, right when forty percent of Americans. Uh, believe that America is trending in the wrong direction. Right. What can he do <laughs> the to make people asking? believe in the future? What kind of targeted tax cuts for businesses and enterprise zones can make people... But to me, though, when with this question, that, like, if you look at, like, if you start with, like, Google and Facebook, which are obviously the ones that have probably fucked us all on this call over the most professionally mm-hmm. over the course of our lives, they also don't work very well. Like, mm-hmm. it's not the sort of thing where, like, Google at this point, like, even just as a search engine is not very good. Mm-hmm. And this is, it's true with Amazon. If you try to buy something on there, it's all, like, fucking Alibaba drop shipped crap. You have no idea if it's bootlegged or not. That Like, that, when things get big at that scale, they get a lot worse. And I feel like that is, if somebody was actually using it, not just to sort of, like, grandstand in a cheesy congressional way, which is obviously a huge if- yeah, scenario. I mean that's Bernie's but, Twitter feed essentially. Right, but if he, <laughs> but if it was like Bernie qua Bernie, like if he's asking these questions, or even if it's just like not to get like too like epic lib on it, but if it's like Katie Porter with a whiteboard or something like that, watching these people get their feet held to the fire and maybe then seeing some policy that improves your experience of moving through the world. I have to believe that that still would have some kind of impact because if you stop believing that, then like, what are any of us even doing, right? Yeah. I, I'm not sure actually I agree, Rolf. I do think that people are more affected by it, like you, like the three of us, if it affects our jobs. But if it's a cons- if it's if it affects you as a customer, uh, it, it, it is, I believe, even if the, the product is worse than it was a year or two prior, um, that is not as vital an issue for you as gun control or abortion or something yeah. like that. And I have to tell you that, like, I don't really have much of a beef with Google in terms of like, yeah, the search engine sucks, but I can I can find shit elsewhere. And also, like, Gmail still works for me. I've been using it for over a decade. And I, I on Amazon, like, I know when it's a third-party seller because it says if it's a third-party seller. So I can figure out whether or not, like, I'm going to get a free return or I'm going to get charged three bucks because I got to drop it off at fucking UPS or whatever the fuck. So the thing I'll say for Amazon, though, is that and this is, again, where, you know, maybe the ship has sort of sailed on some of this. They don't it doesn't even really matter to them if you have a good experience buying their shit anymore. That's not their business at this point. Like if they're a, a web mm-hmm. hosting company. No, they're the and under so, like, that's they're the understory of the Internet. I mean, AWS is where all the Internet is housed and that's where they make their money. Yeah, which is and tough. an A.I., this is why we got to have the uh, the big blockbuster congressional hearings before uh, 
I have to untangle my feelings about enjoying having watched several seasons of Bosch on Amazon Prime from <laughs> my feelings about how big companies are supposed to be allowed to be. Uh, last question. This is from Mike. I've had the pleasure of meeting both Rick Riley and Bill Simmons. Both were in completely <laughs> random places where I wouldn't have expected them to be. I met Riley at 2 a.m. outside a bar in Barcelona. I just want to note that that's exactly where I would expect to see Rick yeah. Riley. Uh, and I met Simmons in San Francisco more before Metallica played with the symphony orchestra there. So my, oh my question God. is, when in what completely confusing context will I meet you guys? And yes, if this gets to the pod, I hope it is a reason to hear Roth say Barcelona. <laughs> I'd be happy to say Barcelona. That's my, uh, Alex, my... what would be the most random place a, a normal gossip fan could meet you? Oh, my God. I mean, I did meet a normal gossip listener uh, at Archie Moore's, which is this... Yeah. Sort Hell yeah, I know Archie Moore. You know Archie Moore's? Yeah, <laughs> Kate went to grad school in New Haven, oh, man. Nice. So I've had I've had the French fries at Archie Moore's. Oh, is that the a French is fries, that a paint legendary. Store? Yep. <laughs> it's it's like a I don't know, like a pub, like a neighborhood pub that does like bar food. Um yeah. and I was like digging into a huge pile of French fries. Is it a gastro out. pub or is no, just a pub? It no, is like no. it's like a pub pub. It it's looks like cheers. Pub. It kind of rules actually. Yeah, Got it's it. great. Um and I just heard this voice that was like, um, hi, are you Alex? And I was like, Jesus Christ, like not right now. <laughs> uh, but it was great. It was very nice. <laughs> the one that I'll add, which I, I talked about this with Eric a little bit on the little non episode that we did last week. Uh, Drew and I had dinner together and then went to the normal gossip show the opening night in New York and we were identified by some listeners coming in together and I, I wonder if people Cute. think of me and Drew as being like Bert and Ernie and just always kind of like moving Aww. as a as a matched set through the world like <laughs> <laughs> like every now and then he just checks in and is like what's up Roth and I'm like oh, I don't know how's it going like, but, but I don't think we get to do that uh, getting real getting recognized anywhere is extremely weird but I I do generally enjoy it the one that I'll say just to match. Uh, our readers' questions is that I once uh, saw Jay. Mar- I didn't meet Jay Mariotti, but I saw him in a salad restaurant on Venice Boulevard in Venice, California, and he was wearing shorts. Cool. So I've seen Jay Mariotti's knees. Uh, wow. Which is one of those. <laughs> yeah. Didn't what? ask for it, but there they were. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, my answer is it would be completely confusing to meet me while you're shitting in the woods. That oh. is my answer. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Uh, it's time to wrap up the show. Alex Sujung Laughlin, you've been a lovely guest, and I should note. Uh, that Normal Gossip is on tour and you can still buy tickets right now if you go to normalgossiplive.com. I'm seeing five more tour dates. I'm seeing, Alex, yes. you can correct me where I'm seeing Chicago. I'm going to say it mm-hmm. in Huey Lewis's voice. Austin. <laughs> Los Angeles. So many tickets in Los Angeles. Uh, Please rock and buy roll. the tickets. <laughs> uh, and then San Francisco and Seattle. Oh my God. You guys get to go on a West Coast swing. That fucking oh, rocks. We're doing a road trip. It's going to be so cute. Yeah. yeah I'm that, there. Is, are you actually road tripping up the West? That's yeah. really nice. That's cool. Yeah. Wait, are you really, you're going to drive up the Pacific Coast Highway and all that? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it. Kelsey got us this absurd Airbnb outside the Redwoods uh, that has a sauna and a hot tub. Nice. Nice. You, nice. you got to bring Colby with a K with you to make oh sure that you are safe <laughs> along the Pacific Coast Highway. <laughs> if you want to understand what Drew's talking about, you have to go to the live show. It's really yes. good. You yes. do. Uh, Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Grugel is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services 
or by multitude. And you can subscribe to Defector.com right now. Just go to Defector and hit that subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at Defector.com or even call us at 909-726-3720 and leave a message. That's 909-Panera0. Alex Sujong <laughs> Laughlin and David Roth, thank you guys so much. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Ooh, bye. Bye. Thanks.